What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast and stream. I am your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And joining me, as always, is my good pal, Hani Amadian. Hani, how you how you doing, man? It's been a couple weeks since we hopped on here, and uh, I feel like I, I need to catch up with you a little bit. Yeah, uh, doing good. Uh, busy uh, as ever, but um, really missing missing some basketball. Soccer's back, though. Feeling pretty good about that, even though my team is in shambles. Um, but other than that, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, every time I check uh, check my timeline, like dur- during the day, and it's all about soccer, I'm just like, I don't know what is going on. Right now. That's how I feel when I like get on Twitter on like a I don't know Saturday night, and it's all wrestling, and I'm like, what? Who, who are these people? <laughs> And that's when I know when to log off. So, (laughs) all right. On today's episode, I teased this the last time we were on. It's going to be a mailbag stream podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, We're going to answer chat questions. Uh, We had a lot of questions last time. Um, So if you asked your question last time and didn't get answered, drop it in the chat. I know David Chi has already got two Rondo questions waiting. Uh, Probably many more after that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it can be about the Lakers, the NBA, football seasons coming up, food, whatever. I don't care. Uh, bring them all. We're here to answer your guys' questions because I, I hate when we run out of time and we can't get to all the chat questions. So uh, that's what these these types of episodes are going to be dedicated for. Uh, so you have Laker, if you have Lakers questions, uh, just bring it. Bring them and uh, drop them in the chat. I can see them on twitch.tv slash LakersOutsiders. Um, over on the YouTube chat and then facebook.com slash Lakers Outsiders. You can drop your questions, comments, uh, whatever you want us to discuss uh, on all three of those platforms as we do this live. Um, And then if you listen to this after after the fact, this will be up on all those podcast platforms um, that people like to use, like Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So we'll go ahead and just dive on in. We'll knock out some of these Rondo questions right away that David Chia, I mean, he's already got three locked and loaded. Uh, the first one, Hani, does uh, Rondo get his number retired before LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to think he, he has to, right? Uh, now, see, the thing with Rondo is that uh, his championship with the Lakers really only canceled out the one that he won over them. Uh, so, see, I was so, going to yeah. go a different way with the uh, the argument on this one. Um, I was gonna say help them win one, help them win one in twenty time. <laughs> no, I mean you could you could say that too. Uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say when you compare Rondo and LeBron, LeBron's been with the Lakers for three seasons and has delivered one championship. Rondo was with them for two seasons and delivered one championship. That's fifty percent to thirty three percent. So. That's just point. the math just kind of checks out. So God, yeah, what, I really you're speaking my language. <laughs> I'm speaking David Chia's language, and I'm going to regret it later on because he's never going <laughs> to let me hear the end of it. So, there you go, David. I threw you a bone. Um, <laughs> the next one is I think more more towards me. But would Rondo be the best wide receiver on the Titans? All I know is that Richard Matthews doesn't play there anymore, so I'm, I'm willing to hear it. <laughs> Bonnie doesn't care. Uh, no, he would not. Uh, I'm just, I, I can't give you two positive Rondo answers. Plus, the team has AJ Brown and Julio Jones. I mean, come on. Uh, that's. Uh, Wouldn't Rondo play quarterback? 
don't you think? Probably, yeah. I mean, that would make more sense, but uh, he does have kind of I mean, the, the I mean, long he, arms and stuff. Yeah, big hands. Yeah, so it, yeah. I mean, maybe he's just a dual position NFL player. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, LeBron could probably play wide receiver and tight end at the same time. So, maybe, maybe he would just be like or a great college quarterback, but uh, let's say because of uh, his complexion, all the pundits would say he should be turned into a wide receiver. I don't know. I'm just throwing some <laughs> some ideas out here. See, you you went the Lamar Jackson route there, and I was thinking Tim Tebow, great college quarterback, but couldn't cut it in the pros. So, uh, either way, slander being thrown out uh, all over the place. So, uh, I will say Rondo would probably be a better blocker than Tim Tebow. Uh, just want to yeah. just want to put that out there. I <laughs> I don't even have any really issue with Tim Tebow except for the media coverage he gets, but some of those uh, efforts were kind of. Kind of hilarious. So, um, all right. The next or the final Rondo question. Uh, Hopefully. <laughs> so far. So far. Should we rightfully make Rondo the largest caricature on the 2022 championship t-shirt? Yeah, I wish I was wearing my uh, my 20, whatever, 20 uh, caricature t-shirt. Um, I mean, the man does already have a pretty big hat, so... Like, <laughs> I, I guess it works, you know, if the shoe fits or the hat, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to answer that one. I mean, obviously, the largest one has to be Wayne Ellington, Tar Heel, and Laker. Uh, if I mean, especially if he joins uh, Danny Green, who was on the same team as Wayne Ellington at North Carolina that won in 2009, and then uh, wins the title with the Lakers. Uh, I mean. I'll special order one that makes Wayne Ellington the biggest one, even if he doesn't play a whole lot. So, uh, you you know where my loyalties lie. So, all right, we're going to turn to a mailbag that we posted today on LakersOutsiders.com. So if you want to see the written version uh, over there, uh, Chris Walton did a great job uh, answering some questions over there. Uh, We're going to kind of turn to it and break down our thoughts on it. But the first question was, who among the guards do you have as a chaser, considering Russ is mainly a point-of-attack defender? All right, so this is probably a pretty big area of weakness for the Lakers, I feel like. Um, You know, last season they had KCP for that, or the last few seasons, KCP being sort of their main guy for that sort of – uh, role, but they also had guys like uh, Alex Crusoe, for example, who, who did a decent job of it. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, I feel like, was was okay at it, even though he was more of a point of attack defender. Um, this season, it doesn't seem like there's anybody really out there that, uh, or on the roster so far, at least, that, that really fits that mold. Um, Kendrick Nunn is, is a potential one, just because he's kind of a speedy guard, but he is not a good defender um you know at least to this point in his career he just has not really been uh focused enough or or you know just aware enough uh to be a good defender obviously that can get coached and and, you know frank Vogel's done a pretty great job of uh turning players that aren't necessarily known as great defenders into a great team defense so potentially he could get something like that out of him uh i did see walt kind of brought this up and i really um sort of agreed with, with with his justification for this of Wayne Ellington being a potential fit there. Um, Ellington, to my knowledge, is a, is a pretty decent defender, maybe not amazing at this stage of his career, but pretty solid. And 
offensively, that is the role that he plays is, is the guy that is running around screens, um, getting dribble handoffs and trying to shoot threes. So theoretically, um, obviously, this is way easier said than done. Uh, theoretically, on defense, he should be sort of uh, aware of the same sort of like movements and, and, and actions that that create those sort of plays. So he could uh, be a guy that, you know, in, in my estimation, would be pretty decent at that for the Lakers. See, I'm of the belief that Russ isn't going to be strictly a point of attack defender. To me, I think he gets kind of a mixture of being like that off ball and and potentially could be kind of the chaser just because his conditioning is always so good. He's such a big, strong guard, um, an athletic freak. I think he could potentially do fulfill that role at times. So I don't know if he'll be strictly a point of attack defender. Um, I, For me personally, I think I would – if I had to pick, I would maybe go with Bazemore to be yeah. more of a point of attack defender right now. And we'll see how they fill out the rest of the roster. There's been rumors about uh, possibly Avery Bradley coming back. And as a point of attack defender, he was he was really good two seasons ago for the Lakers. Um, it was two seasons ago, though, and he is an older player. So you never really know what you're going to get there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a by-committee thing. And the defensive stuff, I think, is going to be on the perimeter, I think, is going to be – a lot just about scheme and rotations and, and stuff like that. Because Pete Zayas, uh, for those that don't know, if you don't know by now, I don't know what you're doing, but um, <laughs> Laker at Laker film, film Room on Twitter made kind of a good point of what we saw in these in these playoffs and in, in kind of the last uh, couple of rounds, um, and especially in that Jazz and, and Clippers series where teams were going five out, is that it's very difficult – even if you have good defenders, to contain dribble penetration consistently, um, because the NBA is the best, you know, the best athletes and and the best basketball players in general in the world. So it's tough to consistently stay in front of guys. So I think really it's going to be more about scheme and rotations, um, and you know, having guys like Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard back uh, to hopefully contest shots and block shots or maybe even a guy like LeBron who has shown that you know he can kind of spot spot in as like a rim protector uh, coming over from the weak side and stuff like that so um, the defense really to me isn't even so much about like individual roles and stuff like that it's just it's all about about scheme and I I trust Vogel to to be able to figure it out I would like to see you know uh, maybe another player or two that kind of specializes in defense um to, I'd like to see that be added to the roster just because it would make me feel a little more comfortable about it. But, yeah. but yeah, when it comes to like individual stuff like that, I think it's going to be by committee just about everywhere. The point of attack stuff I don't think is always going to be Russ, and I don't think it's going to always be Baysmore or Ariza. Um, it's it's just going to vary. It's going to vary. The Lakers are going to be a pretty big and pretty fast team even though they are uh, kind of older but they're, they're going to be I think a pretty physical team overall so I think that's going to be their identity and um, yeah I mean I know that the defensive talent the last two years has been superior to what we've what we see on the roster right now um, so it's tough to compare but I just I, I trust Frank Vogel to and his staff to be able to really figure it out and and put these guys in the best posi- positions possible um, when it comes to both offensively and defensively. Offensively, they should score a lot this year. Um, but defensively, yeah, I, I trust Frank Vogel quite a bit, and I, it, it's going to be a by-committee thing and just an overall scheme thing for me. Yeah, I, I think that is um, 
really the main takeaway is, is that uh, it, it is definitely more about the team defense rather than individual defenders. Um, obviously, the thing that I, I always go back to is Lakers managed to stay uh, among the very, very top of, of the teams in the NBA defensively last season with Anthony Davis missing nine weeks, LeBron missing quite a bit of time. Um, even in those stretches when they didn't have those guys, they were among the top two or three defenses in the league. So uh, Vogel is definitely able to get a lot out of players that are not necessarily uh, the best defenders. Um, it is this roster is definitely going to be the, the toughest task he's had uh, in that regard, at least, of, of creating a top five defense. Um, with the guys that he has, I think there are a lot of questions about uh, whether it's because of age or just because they're guys that aren't necessarily known as good defenders. Um, and, you know, uh, even if it is uh, more about the team defense, obviously having better defenders helps your team defense. So um, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, adjustments of, of figuring out what players are, are good at what aspects of that uh, defense and, and in what sort of lineups and, and configurations you can place them next to each other so that overall you're having a pretty solid um, defensive lineup out there at all times. But yeah, like you said, I think having AD healthy uh, is number one biggest thing. Uh, LeBron as well, another you know great help defender when, when he is trying, obviously. Regular season, he might not always be at, a, at his peak, but I thought last season he, for the most part, was a, a great defender when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having Dwight back there, uh, Marcus Hall, whatever he's going to give you if he does end up staying. There's obviously some questions about that right now. Um, but at least in the paint, they should be pretty solid. So if, if the guys on the perimeter can do enough to really not make their uh, their bigs have to just be under constant pressure um, and try to uh, prevent so many three-pointers from going up, then I think there should still be, you know, a, a top half of the league, at least uh, defense just off of that. Um, and then everything else above that is up to what Vogel can get out of them, really. <laughs> yeah, and the nice thing, too, is with the perimeter defense, because it's the defense, is for me, is just all the question marks are all about perimeter defense because you have Anthony Davis back there who to me is a top two defender in the NBA and the other player is not Rudy Gobert um but yeah if if you even give up a lot of three-pointers in a game I think the main difference between this year's team and last year's team is if a team gets hot from the three-point line it was kind of a struggle for the Lakers to keep up with that and we saw that with the Suns the Suns got hot for, for stretches in that series, and the Lakers just didn't have the shooting to keep up, even though the Lakers were a very yeah. good defensive team um, with and without AD. But this year they've got so much more shooting that I think even if a team gets hot from the three-point line, you kind of almost counteract that by having shooting of your own. And I think that's going to be such a luxury to have on this team because you know we always joke about the Laker curse and, and shooters and all that stuff, and uh, Steph Curry had to be selfish and, and ruin my theory that, you know, he could be the one to really test it. But, yeah, I, I think just having more shooting is, you know, it, it's not defense, but it's just a way to kind of match a team that might yeah. get hot for a game is that you've got capable three-point shooters that aren't going to, you know, probably shoot 28% or whatever uh, from the three-point line as a, as a unit. So, yeah, I – 
I don't know. There, there's a lot of different moving parts, I think, um, when it comes to the perimeter defense question for this team. But, man, I just – I don't know. I'm not overly worried about it in the regular season uh, just because, I mean, a lot of teams nowadays don't play defense during the regular season. And the Lakers, I think, are just going to be able to score at an insane clip with the, the talent that they have uh, that a lot of nights it just might not even matter. So – so I'm not overly concerned yet about the defense. I kind of want to see it all in in motion uh, first. Plus, you know, there's a couple more roster spots that the Lakers can uh, can f- fill in there, and and potentially we don't know the rotation. Uh, we we can you know theorize about it all, all we want, but we don't know what the rotation is going to look like. It could look very different with, say, a guy like Wesley Matthews is brought back. What you know, it, he could probably fit in there somewhere and and knock somebody somebody else out. So. Um, still a lot of a lot of questions about that um one one thing uh, that i kind of just sort of remembered um and i don't know if i I might even be misremembering this but uh the first season with lebron and ed both in la uh what i sort of remember was a a big talking point early on in the season as their defense kind of came out to to a good start while their offense was sort of sputtering a little bit was that hey it's going to take time to really learn how to play with each other offensively but we can try our asses off defensively mm-hmm. and i think that sort of carried through the entire season like that sort of mindset and i could definitely see that happening again this year when you're bringing in a guy like russ who i think we all acknowledge is going to be um an interesting fit with lebron and ad and and their um might be some clunky moments uh, as they kind of learn how to play with each other. So if that same sort of attitude is brought into camp um, and between LeBron, AD, even Russ, whatever he can give you defensively and the role players, I think there's a decent chance that the ceiling of the team uh, defensively is higher than uh, we can really give it credit given the the pieces that are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that is really the sort of like mindset that, that the team goes into the season with is hey we're gonna really hammer home the defense right away as we're sort of learning how to play with each other offensively yeah and i think that there's definitely some lineups that can piece together that could be good defensively like in a close game you know yeah. maybe it's a something like having i don't know maybe you go like russ Bazemore, ariza lebron and ad to, to mm-hmm. close the game, something like that. That probably gives you more than enough defense to be able to get some stops and and still space the floor and, and score the basketball and, and do stuff in transition and all that stuff. So, um, and yeah. that, that was just off the top of my head. So, um, we'll, we'll see what the final roster looks like. I, it's weird to me that there's still, what, three open spots left. And we've, we've all kind of made assumptions that certain players like Jared Dudley might be back or Wesley Matthews might be back, but they're still not back. So maybe that means they won't be back. Um, we'll just yeah. have to wait and see. I would assume with three roster spots, the Lakers fell out two of them at most. Uh, they probably leave one open spot for, for buyout season at the trade deadline. Um, but we'll see. And on that note, the next question was, why are we so concerned about the 13th and 14th uh, players on the bench? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I understand the point that this question is making. Um, it's sort of the same thing we do every year where once it's, you know, we get into August and there's still some roster spots uh, free and we're kind of talking about the, the really bottom of the barrel free agents still left. 
and what they can give the Lakers. And yes, theoretically, those players, they're still free agents for a reason. Um, and more than likely aren't going to be huge contributors. But having said that, it doesn't mean that they, that they 100% for certain won't be. Um, I mean, even in this free agency class, obviously there's a comedy of errors that led to it, but Dennis Schroeder ended up getting signed to a team like a month after free agency started almost mm-hmm. um, on a very cheap deal and you know for whatever lakers fans think of him after the season there's obviously a lot of awkward stuff as well he's a good player um and you know if you can get a player i don't think anybody else on the market is really as impactful uh as he is but uh if you can get a player that can impact your team that way this late for cheap then that's a win um another guy i kind of look at is uh it's a little bit different but the lakers signed markeith morris um you know, on the buyout market. And he was a very, very crucial part to that uh, playoff team that won the title, especially in the second round against the Rockets. He was probably the biggest reason why they could play small um, and still dominate inside with, you know, alongside AD and LeBron, obviously. But uh, he was a really, really important part to that puzzle. And then the year after that, he was very much out of the rotation for the most part, or at least for certain parts of the season, because he just wasn't having that great of a year. So I think it's all about, you know, the situations and the circumstances. Every once in a while, you just uh, really hit a, hit a home run with uh, with a guy that you bring in late that, yeah, on paper, he might be the 14th man on your rotation. But by the time the season starts, he might have won a spot over some of these other guys. And like we've been kind of hammering home, that there's a lot of question marks about the role players on this Lakers team, what they have left to give uh, if they're on the older side um how good they are if they are the younger players like Nunn and, and malik monk who haven't been on i mean kendrick Nunn has been on a playoff team but wasn't playing in the playoffs much uh malik monk wasn't playing much for a team that wasn't a playoff team um so there's quite a lot of question marks about everybody on this roster so you want to maximize your chances of having the best players available to you um and so if, if the 14th player that, that they signed this season is that guy in three or four months, then that's, you know, kind of the reason why everybody talks about it so much. Mm. Yeah. And to me, I mean, just when it comes to like a championship roster, I think every spot is important in its own, yeah. in its own right. You know, I mean, people might joke about a guy like Jared Dudley, but like a guy like that has value in the locker room. And, you know, like when you go on these road trips, these long road trips as a team, that's a great opportunity for your team to build chemistry and, and having a guy like Jared Dudley that brings the team together and has been through, you know, the, the ups and downs of the NBA and kind of done and seen it all. Uh, you know, having just, I mean, every, every player on the roster is important, you know, whether it's just a guy that plays, plays hard in practice that guys get to compete against on a daily basis, you know, whatever it is, I think it's all important, but, you know, especially on a championship team, because, Every year with championship teams, I mean, role players typically step up on on championship runs. I mean, we saw it for years with the Lakers with with Derek Fisher in two different eras, basically, having multiple big moments. Robert Ory obviously had some big moments. And, you know, during the the 2020 championship run, I mean, multiple guys stepped up. KCP was really good. Alex Caruso was really good. Rajon Rondo. Rondo was really good. Uh, I know David G is still in here, and he's still making comments about Rondo. 
by the way, David, I noticed that, uh, thank you for the follow on Twitch, by the way, but were you uh, holding off on that follow until we said nice things about Rondo? What, what was, he was holding it hostage. What, what was going on there? He's going to take it away. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, every 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 spot I think is important uh, because there's just so many examples of different players stepping up, random players stepping up sometimes in the playoffs. You know, I mean, the Cavs a couple years ago was, you know, had Matthew Delvadova step up and, and have some games where he was very helpful and, and, and stuff yeah. like that, you know. So I think it's just important to not just, you know, fill in a roster spot, which is kind of a random, like, whatever. I think every roster spot should have purpose and should be calculated. And yeah. so I think that's why, you know, there, there's a lot of value. Plus, I think that there's just room for – Especially when you have a team that has kind of a, a couple pretty big question marks, looking at even some of those end of the, the bench roster spots, you might be able to say, hey, let's get a little bit of insurance in case this happens or to address this yeah. kind of need or, or whatever whatever the case may be. So, um, Plus, I think it's just... It's just fun to kind of speculate who's going to be on the team and, and get excited for it. It's it's peak off season, right? Like we're at the point of the off season where I'm watching Ben Simmons videos pop up on Twitter about him shooting in an empty gym. You know, like this happens every year. It's like a non-shooter hits a few threes in an, an empty gym with like a white wall as the shooting background, and everybody eats it up. So, yeah, and his defender is going over the screen. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like we're just like peak peak off season at this point so yeah. um it's just it's i don't know if it's something to fill the time but for me i, I, I think every roster spot's important especially on uh, more so just on a contending team you know if you're a team that's gonna be i don't know bottom 10 in the league or whatever it's probably not that important you kind of do some projects or whatever but yeah. um but yeah i think title teams every spot's important so i think that's why i think i think the main point is there's no guarantee that the 13th and 14th guys that get signed uh, to the team right now are going to be the 13th and 14th uh, players in the rotation. Right. Uh, you know, by the time the playoffs come around, they they absolutely could when when jobs over other guys. So you know, you try you try to get the best players available, um, and at, you know, in my opinion, I think you you also want varying sort of like profiles of players mm-hmm. uh, sort of like we talked about with like the point of attack defenders or, or the chasers or whatever same thing offensively you know guys that can give you three-point shooting or guys that can uh, handle the ball or whatever else uh, i think you want a variety of those guys so that you can be flexible once the playoffs come around in certain matchups use certain players uh, and vice versa yeah for sure so all right uh next question uh, the next two questions are about the front court, and they're both very similar questions. But the first one was basically asked, if Mark Gasol is not brought back, whether he's traded, released, he retires, whatever, there's been some speculation about that. Um, there was a rumor, uh, the report that the Lakers did try and trade him, essentially, in kind of a salary dump, um, and it didn't didn't work out. But if Mark Gasol is not brought back, basically, who would you look at the center position to potentially replace uh, Gasol? you know, on the roster and the rotation, however you kind of look at it. Um, is there any chance that we can get the Suns to buy out JaVale McGee before the season starts? Considering they just signed him, I don't think so. Are you sure? But that, I think that, that would really help us out. But that's another good example of what I was just saying on the last question of why every, ro- every roster spot's important because JaVale, 
you know, during the playoff run, you know, there were some games that he didn't play, and even the games he played, he'd get, you know, that first shift in the first quarter to start the game, and then maybe first shift in the second quarter to start the game. Uh, but was a great teammate, good guy in the locker room, and did his job. So, you know, and that's not a guy that you'd consider, like, obviously, uh, like a top five player on that roster by any means. But, I mean, you probably had him number one. But most people, you know, He's, he's the he's the biggest one on my caricature. <laughs> so, but like that's a good example of you know a guy that you know even though he's not looked at as like a star or anything can come in and still help even though you know he's not regarded as one of the like the best players on the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm looking at a list of. Uh, free agent centers available, and I the the Javale stuff. While I did mean it, was mostly me uh, uh, stalling so I could look stuff. <laughs> well, I'll give you a few more seconds. I'm looking at a free agent list on uh, Spot Track. Yeah, that's what I'm using. And for some reason, Rick Carlisle was listed amongst the free agents, and like the position says COA. And it was like marked as a UFA, went from Dallas to to be determined, which she went back that's to Indiana. But I was like, I didn't know we were listing coaches as free agents now. That's great. So uh, I guess I'll list off. There's there's not many according to Spot Track. I guess it depends on. Uh, I'm only looking at centers. There might be power forwards that you could play as centers. Um, and their centers, here's the list. It's, it's not a very long list, so I'm going to read them off. There's Aaron Baines, Ed Davis, Bismack Biombo, Luke Cornett, Isaiah Hartenstein, Harry Giles, Demarcus Cousins, Jordan Bell, Reggie Perry, Devontae Kaycock, Taco Fell, uh, Johnny Hamilton, and Amita Brima. Um, okay, I got two answers. <laughs> You can't you can't take one of mine. You know who I'm gonna say. Well, <laughs> uh, well, I, I just want Taco Fall because the Taco Tuesday material would be so funny. Okay, that's not who I was gonna say, but that is a good point. Um, the other one, this might be who you wanted to say, just because. I mean, I I adore him, and you might too. Ed Davis, mm-hmm. I would love to have him back on the Lakers again. If we're if we're doing the whole. Just lean into the whole sign guys from like the 2013 Lakers or whatever season. Uh, Ed Davis is definitely one of my favorites. He fits the uh, criteria. He's a former Laker that like, yeah. come on, man. Absolutely one of my favorites, uh, favorite like mercenary Lakers of that era. Um, I always feel like he's been undervalued throughout his entire career. Um, and, you know, he's a good shot blocker, a good team defender. He, you know, he's a little bit older now. Um but he's still a pretty good lot threat, I think, as well. Um, not the strongest suit, so he's not going to be like a post-up defender, but that's what you got Dwight for, so mm-hmm. not the biggest deal. Um, so I'd, I'd super be into uh, getting at Davis if, if Mark does end up uh, leaving the team. Yeah, that's, that's who I would pick just because, I mean, we know what we're going to get out of Ed Davis plus, you know, Tar Heel, former Laker, like big, big soft spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to come in as, as a defender, you know, shot blocker, rim protector, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think he'd be an ideal fit for, for that role. Um, I also, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna advocate for, for a Duke player, but 
Harry Giles is there and, and would be an interesting project, I think, to yep. to try and to try and bring in. Um, injuries have just kind of really derailed his career because I mean he was like a top recruit coming out of high school and all that stuff. A um, lot of a lot of talent. It's just a matter of kind of can he stay on the floor and, and what could a guy like Phil Handy do with him? You know, could probably do yeah. some good things there. Uh, Biombo would be interesting just because I think he kind of gives you. Uh, he could give you like some defense around the rim. I don't think he has very good hands, which is kind of problematic on a team with Russ and LeBron. So uh, yeah. that would be less than ideal. Plus, he's not really like a floor spacer or anything like that. So could be an issue. I mean, maybe Kaycock is brought back just because he's young, fresh legs, uh, familiar with with the system and all that stuff. Um, a little continuity there and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a look at Cousins again. They brought him in one yeah. time, and injury kind of derailed that. But um, plus, AD loves him. LeBron seems to like him. Uh, I don't really know how Russ feels about Demarcus, but you know, Demarcus at least will give you like that three-point spacing from a from a big guy. I don't think he's particularly playable defensively, um, mm-hmm. but I also think. Whoever you're signing, like in that type of spot, you're not looking to play much in the playoffs, anyways. Um, yeah. Because I don't think maybe this is a hot take, but I don't think Mark Gasol's playable defensively in the playoffs anymore. Um, you know, and not to say they're the same as a defensive player, because I think Gasol is a much more, much better positional defender um, and has just just a higher basketball IQ, and he'll probably be in like some of the right spots. But man, the Suns hunt, yeah. hunted him on the perimeter so much, and it was it was tough to watch. You know, as much as he kind of brought it, he came in and provided at least one reliable three point threat for the Lakers. He was getting cooked on the other end of the floor, and I just at his age, I just he's a regular season player, um, and I would think the same thing about Demarcus Cousins. I just think you know he'll provide some floor spacing and some more offense on a team that has plenty of it, but just would be tough to work around defensively. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a handful of options that I think could work, but I think of all those guys, I mean, you're not looking for like a playoff performer. You're looking for someone that can just kind of fill regular season minutes and makes AD not have to play the five um, as much, which I know he's going to probably play it more this year, but, um, I, you know, it's not like he's going to play at the five for 36 minutes a game. So, yeah. Baines would have been an interesting one if it wasn't the uh, injury concern. He's got that nerve damage thing and yeah. might not play at all this season. So if you know if we go late into the season and, and it turns out that he gets cleared at some point, then I, I think he could be one to look at because he kind of gives you what Mark gives you, honestly, the, the three-point shooting and just a big body to, to you know uh, take blows from other centers. Um, he could be interesting. He had a tough year last year, but I think he's probably better than he showed. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, for for these, I mean, we'll answer the power forward question here in a second. But um, this kind of applies for both. When it comes to filling needs as as a championship contending team, the the buyouts, you know, the buyout season at the at the trade deadline is is always going to be a uh, you know a prime prime target for for filling out your roster and, and bolstering uh some of your weak weak areas on on the roster and everything like that so um maybe some of these guys that are on teams uh come available maybe we can make honey really happy and hassan whiteside uh gets okay. bought out <laughs> all right i've had enough of this <laughs> hey at least i didn't say uh enos Cantor. 
yeah. Which I'm pretty yeah. sure he's only contractually obligated to play for the Celtics or the Blazers at this point. Yeah. I think he's just going to alternate each year. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, the, the two whitest cities in the NBA. It's like they had a divorce, and like one year <laughs> you get Cantor, the next year we'll take him. It's hilarious how that guy's just bouncing back and forth between those teams. But um, yeah, so uh, buyout, the buyout candidates could potentially be uh, somebody to look at or something to look at. I don't really know. I'd have to like look at it. I mean, it's pretty easy to kind of figure out who is a potential target. I mean, just look for expiring contracts on a bad team. Usually, yeah. uh, it's kind of the the, the recipe there. Uh, David Boy. David said no white side. David, how about this? I'm going to pose a question. I'm going to throw a question back to David. The <laughs> what if the only stipulation that Rondo comes back to the Lakers is Whiteside has to come with them? He's still in on Rondo. That's evil. <laughs> he deserves it. He took back his compliments on, on me earlier because I didn't say nice things about Rondo. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there's also a certain player in Cleveland with two years left on his contract who sure doesn't seem happy to be playing there. That's what I was just going to bring up. with the. So the, the next question that was asked on Facebook was, losing Markeith Morris, do you think they need a bigger backup for like him um, to kind of fill that role? Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think... Um, Depending on how you look at it, I think LeBron is going to play quite a bit at the four. I think Trevor Ariza can play quite a bit at the four. Really probably should mostly be playing at the four, even though he's um, probably their ideal or you know their best wing defender uh, on the roster right now. So I don't think it's necessary. Um, I do think that's something that they could look at. And if it does kind of come to this point where AD really commits to playing the five, then I think you can, um, you know, put some resources into getting another uh, uh, power forward so that you can play alongside him. The guy that's kind of available right now that uh, I think would make a lot of sense in that sort of situation is Paul Millsap. Mm-hmm. Um, and Millsap, again, you know, older guy, I don't want, I don't want to say he's washed up, but certainly not you know, the, the great player that he was in Utah and Atlanta. Um, but he can give you, you know, uh, that toughness inside, some rebounding, some switchability in terms of defending wings and bigs, um, some decent shooting, all of that. So I think he, he's a guy that um, I, I, I've always been a fan of him, but I especially am a fan of him on really great teams because he, he is sort of versatile and flexible and you can put him in different situations and you pretty much know what you're going to get out of him every night. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's somebody to look at. I would be surprised. I think if that's the way, uh, that's where, uh, where they were headed, because I think really the only reason they would get another big, in my opinion, is if Mark doesn't come back. Um, and if he does come back, then I just don't really see a need for another one. And I would rather they uh, get a third point guard probably and, and get a one defender um, and then wait for the buyout market and probably just get whatever best player available at that point. Yeah, I kind of wonder, too, if like LeBron plays some small ball five on defense at times this mm-hmm. year, uh, just because you, you mentioned the, the four rotation. I mean, with LeBron 
Ariza and Carmelo Anthony. I don't know where you have minutes to play at the four, in all honesty, because I think those guys are going to take up pretty much all of them. Um, and Ariza, Ariza will probably play some three. LeBron will probably play some three. I think he'll he'll play some spot minutes, I think, with some small lineups at the five and stuff like that. Um, especially, I think you can do that a little bit more now with Russ, where LeBron isn't like your point guard, essentially. Um, there's times he can move off the ball and stuff like that. So I think they can be a little flexible with the lineups, but... Yeah, I mean, the two like power forwards I would have looked at are the guys you mentioned in Kevin Love and, and Paul Millsap, just because um, you know Millsap's a, a big physical guy that can also kind of space the floor. And like you said, you know what you're going to get out of him. Kevin Love is a guy that, you know, maybe – I mean, we see it, I think, every year now where a disgruntled veteran on a bad team gets out of there and then goes and latches onto a contender and all of a sudden they are pretty good again. So I, I, I could see that with Kevin Love um, just because he uh, – being unhappy in Cleveland I think is an understatement at this point. Like he is publicly making it known that he's just not very uh, very happy there. So maybe if he gets out and reunites with his, his buddy LeBron, uh, you know, maybe things uh, start to click into place for him. So I would think any big that they add – like you said, honey, is if uh, Mark Gasol isn't on the roster. And I think at that point it would have to be a big that can play the five and and provide at least some support at that position. Yeah. Uh, another interesting name, though, I think it is unlikely uh, because I think some team will probably pay him a little bit more money than just the veteran minimum is Larry Markkinen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm – I really am not the biggest fan of his, but as a sort of like buy low, high ceiling, like what can you get from him sort of guy, I, mm-hmm. I could see it. And he's definitely a, a, a dude who can space the floor. Uh, shot 40% from three last year. He's a 37% shooter for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, decent rebounder, doesn't really do a whole lot else. Um, so, you know, I, I could see him as an option, but like I said, I think some team will probably either give him like a tax pyramid level or something or work out a sort of like sign in trade or something like that just so you can get a little bit more money yeah uh, minimum yeah kind of it's always tricky with those those restricted free agents and yeah. and and all that whole mess i was really hoping the lakers could have snagged uh, jeff green which i think i've been saying for like three years now uh, but he yeah. was like legitimately pretty good uh, he's yeah. he's been pretty good, but I thought he was actually pretty good with Brooklyn last year. But uh, he went to Denver, um, which I thought was a good pickup for them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's kind of a tough market. I mean, at this point in the season, I mean, or the off season, it's you know it, it is what it is. There's mo- most rosters are pretty full. So, um, what you're getting now, and I, you know, I think the the power forward position isn't something that really needs to be addressed. I mean, I think. I really liked Markeith Morris, but I understood not bringing him back just because when you have LeBron, Carmelo, and Ariza, you're, you know, basically like, where do you play him, right? Like, so yeah, I, I understood I can, that one. I completely forgot about Melo when we were talking about this. Yeah, he, he's the backup for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot of minutes to go around there. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, not overly concerned about it. I think... The front court uh, to me is is pretty solid right now. It's more just about uh, maybe bolstering the perimeter defense a little bit. If you can get a guy that is at least a respectable shooter, 
I still really want Wesley Matthews back. I mean, I'm just a big fan of his in general, and I want the Lakers to be the team that gets him a ring because I think he deserves a ring. Um, and I think it, I think it would be really cool if he got one with the Lakers. So, um, all right, I got to catch up to, to David's comments. Uh, he took back his compliments after the no white side. He said he would take white side only if we get to cut him immediately after Rondo signs. That's <laughs> not how the hypothetical works. I mean, I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> the, the loophole is is shut down. Uh, David asks about a third point guard. I don't. I don't. All he said was a third point guard. David, can you elaborate more on that? Because um, we all know which third point guard you want. But uh, I mean, we can talk about the point guard position. Do you think the Lakers need another point guard? And on the free agent market, I guess who would you uh, look at? Not named Rajon Rondo. Uh, technically not a Rondo. technically not a free agent, by the way. <laughs> Um, correct. Um, so I don't think it's their biggest need. I think their biggest need is, uh, like a wing defender, ideally one that can hit threes as well. Like you said, although those are going to be hard to come by at this point. Um, but I do think it is a priority. Um, cause right now it's, you know, Westbrook is a starting point guard. Kendrick Nunn is the backup. LeBron technically obviously can play point, but they don't really have that, that third, uh, true point guard, I guess we can call them, um, to really, uh, you know, be there in case of any sort of injuries to Russ or none, um, or if none doesn't pan out, which I think there's a decent chance of that happening. Um, so I, I would like them to get another one. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of the guys that they have worked out so far. Um, I just, I don't think Isaiah Thomas really has anything left. And Darren Collison, I mean, he hasn't played in forever. And the last time he said he was going to come to the Lakers, he then didn't after he got free courtside tickets. Um, I think it'd be so, hilarious if they invited him to say, like, hey, you want to come sign the contract? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he gets there and they're like, oh, we're just kidding, man. See you later. <laughs> uh, and then Mike James is the other one. I admittedly don't really know a whole lot about his name. I, I think he had a pretty decent season with the Mets last year. Um, let's look up some numbers. Uh, yeah, he averaged about eight points a game for assists. That's not bad. Uh, not exactly shooting the lights out 37% from the field, 36% from three. Um, so not, a, not an awful option by any means. Um, I would be into that idea, but kind of looking at the names, there's not a lot there that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, former future Laker Dante Exum is available. I don't know if he's even healthy. He's never healthy. He was playing uh, in the Olympics, but he did get uh, hurt in, in one of the games. <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, Avery Bradley is available. Uh, we kind of talked about him already. Again, don't know how healthy he is or how over the hill he might be. Uh, I think he had a decent half season with the Lakers. Uh, when he signed here, obviously we didn't get to see how he performed, how he would perform in the playoffs, so kind of hard to say. And there's a lot of like project guys like uh, Frank Nelikina, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, so I, I think there is talent kind of available, mm-hmm. um, but none of them are kind of like screaming out at me as, oh, they should go after this guy. It's just kind of like, you know, um, what, what kind of profile can you get that maybe you don't already have or that is sort of a nice fit around LeBron, AD, 
um, and even Russ potentially if, if you play with two point guards. Yeah, so one name that we haven't brought up yet at that guard spot, I think that could fill some defensive void uh, would be Shaq Harrison. Um, yeah. I think he, he's a guy that I think I would trust as a defender to kind of help provide uh, some support on the perimeter because I don't really think you need a guy that is like a playmaker or you know brings like a ton of offense or anything like that because at that position, I mean, LeBron's going to essentially be kind of your, your point guard. Um, your, you got Russ, obviously, to probably kind of handle the second unit. but uh, And then you got Taylor Horton Tucker, you know, so you've got like a lot of support at that position offensively. So I don't think you really need a guy that can come in. For me, like the leaders would probably be um, like an Avery Bradley – uh, or or Shaquille Harrison, guys that, that you know can can bring some defense maybe at the point of attack or or, or whatever. Exum would be fine as a flyer just because in that uh, semifinal game against Australia, he was straight up cooking Team USA. Like he was playing really well, and then he got got hurt, kind of landed on his hip or whatever. I don't know if he came back yeah. in that game or not, but the first half he. Uh, just was was playing really well. So I mean, there might be a little bit of juice there that you could you could squeeze. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of guys, like you said, honey, are just kind of projects at this point. Tim Frazier, I believe, has kind of a reputation as a defensive player. I just don't know if he really gives you anything um, offensively. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. But yeah, I don't think they really need to need a guy that you can. F- really focus on offensively um, at that spot just because with between LeBron, THT, and and Russ, I think you're going to have plenty of, like, offensive creation at at, at uh, kind of that lead initiator spot. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, a, a defender or a three-point shooter is probably what you would uh, kind of want out of that spot. Yeah. Or both, ideally. Yeah, both. Both, <laughs> both is good. <laughs> I think more um, guys that are both good offensively and defensively should be available as free agents for the Lakers right now. It's yeah. very selfish of the other teams to not just let those players remain free agents until the Lakers officially decide. And, and only for the Lakers. It should be uh, sort of like payment for the Lakers subsidizing the league, basically, with their luxury tax payments. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers bring in the bacon, so allow the Lakers to get all the best players like you're gonna put the Lakers on for uh, on national TV for half their games and and, and raking that money well then all the good players that's how you get a even bigger TV deal when the current one expires is you just it's just smart business the Lakers should just look like team USA every year I'm gonna go on Shark Tank and pitch this to Mark Cuban (laughs) the other guys who aren't related to the NBA but I would love to get on that show with like you know, you lie about like the idea you have, and they're like, "Oh, sure, yeah, we'll get you on." And then you just go in there and just look at Mark straight in the face and go, "You should trade Luka Doncic to the Lakers." <laughs> I thought you were going to say amnesty that because I, I would also love oh, to do that. that too. That too. You just have like a board that just says amnesty that, and then you just tell him, "Hey, trade Luka to the Lakers." Okay, <laughs> yeah. see, it? and then just okay, see you later. So. <laughs> That would be that'd be perfect. Oh, David's going nuts for Luca. David, is it it's Luca or Rondo? You have to pick one or the other. You can't have both. <laughs> uh, David, we we love you. We really do. But you do need an intervention about this Rondo business. Honestly, just imagine uh, when Zubats's contract eventually runs out. 
Oh my goodness, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna lose it. So uh, that was all the questions. <laughs> I got David excited about Zoo, uh, but yeah, that was all the questions that we we've got so far. Um, which uh, th- that was a very quick hour or so that we just uh, managed to kill. So we can cut it off there. Um, we'll do future episodes like this. So if you guys have future questions, um, I'm, I'm sure it'll probably be um, there will be a lot more questions later on uh, like when the regular season is approaching and we get to see the product on the court and stuff like that so um but this is fun man i always enjoy answering your guys's questions and and just you guys giving us topics to talk about and um it's it's always fun it's always fun i always kind of like doing the impromptu stuff and uh, i always have a blast so um and uh i just want to point this out if you're ever at work daydreaming and not focusing on your actual job like i always do and you <laughs> think of a question in like the middle of the week when we're not asking for them shoot us an email we will save them and use them either on a podcast or on the site either way mm-hmm. absolutely so so yeah we're gonna sign off uh this was fun a little mailbag monday it's been a while since we did one of these on a podcast um but it was it was fun i appreciate those of you that uh, that chimed in and asked those questions, and uh, even you, David, even you, even you, you and all your Rondo questions and Rondo love, man. Rondo propaganda. I, I admire your consistency and your loyalty. Uh, I really do. So, um, yeah, we're gonna sign off, but we always do these live on Twitch.tv/slash Lakers Outsiders and over on YouTube and then on facebook.com slash Lakers Outsiders. And then after the fact, these will be up on all those podcast platforms. Um, this one should be up uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, the last one took a little bit longer than I wanted to due to some technical difficulties, but I believe we have found a remedy for the issue. So should be up promptly. And um, yeah, so we're going to get out of here. Hani, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you. Go get some rest. Uh, sleep good. Thank you guys so much. Uh, have a great evening, and uh, we will see you guys next time. So with Hani Amadian, I'm Gary Kester and the Lakers Outsiders, signing off. Happy birthday, Kobe.